Hey everyone, welcome to the ninth episode of the Pursuit of Resolution podcast. Today, I'm joined by Ayush, Shristi, and Varun, and our guest Mayas to talk about all things Mughal and to discuss and debate whether the empire was all that glorious. So, the Mughal dynasty was an empire of Turkic Mongol origin that ruled northern India from um, the 16th to 18th century. It is known for its powerful rulers of Muslim origin who were able to unite the Hindus and Muslims of India. The empire was founded by Babur, and although his sons were the natural successors of the empire, they were often short battles between the princes to decide who would be the next ruler once the father died. Uh, Humayun, who was Babur's son, was considered a weak ruler and at one point even lost control of Hindustan to the Pashtuns. However, Akbar, uh, Humayun's son, had a good team of ministers called the Navratna or the Nine Gems, who were led by the wise Bibal. He was considered as a fair ruler who ruled as Bibal served him as his conscience and guide. This earned him the name Akbar the Great. The Mughals were also passionate about infrastructure and architecture, which led to the creation of the Taj Mahal, which is considered India's gem, and the Red Fort in Delhi. Now, uh, just asking everyone here, what, how would you describe the Mughal Empire and its impact on modern-day India? Um, I'd say culturally, culturally, it's had a pretty large impact with the way that um, certain aspects have uh, certain aspects of Mughal culture percolated into society. But there are obviously cons, uh, especially what happened at that moment. And perhaps you can also consider uh, what the state of India's culture would have been without uh, the Mughal Empire. May it have been, um, you know, better, I guess. Yeah, I think I I would agree with Manapat because, um, well, throughout the course of history, Indian history, uh, Mughals ended up becoming an integral part of it, um, and it's it's an they're an aspect of Indian history that you just can't glance over because of the the huge impact they had, and um, I think that. Um, they had their pros, they had their cons. We're obviously going to get into it um, in this in this podcast. Um, but I think the question of whether uh, they were good or bad is um, at large a relatively controversial one. I know that's the sort of stuff we deal with here. But um, yeah, I think that it would require a bit of uh, cross-examination to determine the exact answer to this um so like they said i do believe that uh, the Mughals had a really big impact on the way india progressed in terms of architecture culture and um even like you said because of the ministerial um representation in courts and the way that kings often handled you know uh, times of duress and um that's why i think even in terms of like diplomacy and secularism they were the first people who actually kind of united all the uh, smaller kingdoms that existed in India, regardless of whether they were Hindu or whether they were, um, you know, Muslim. Um, so that's why they're regarded as secular. But then again, the Mughals also pillaged and looted and are often overglorified in history textbooks. So um, I think the extent, it's undeniable that they did good things, but um, it is also important to factor in what they did wrong. Yeah, I'm inclined to agree with Shishti here. There's a lot uh, uh, a lot of the wrongdoing that you have to take into account when you're talking about the Mughal Empire. So. Um, yeah, Shishi, I think you you brought about an excellent point about how they sort of 
two uh, extremes, right? One of the cruelty and barbarism uh, and the other of the development and the caring for the masses that, you know, characterizes a Mughal empire. So an, an example of this sort of cruelty could be how many rulers killed their own fathers so that they could succeed them. Uh, what is your opinion? What is everyone's opinion on this dichotomy? You know, the two extremes that you can sort of characterize the Mughal Empire. So which uh, sort of characteristic could you associate better with the Mughal Empire? The good side or the bad side? So um, I think being a CBSE history student and learning about um, their uh, achievements in, in, in you know, uh, all of its light. Uh, I always uh, looked at them with a lot of awe and respect because um, being foreigners and entering, um, uh, you know, a foreign country and then sort of claiming it with with ease. Um, because when when Babur entered India uh, with, you know, the mindset of conquest, uh, we obviously know that that was the um, that was the decline of the Delhi Sultanate. And um, it's uh, he he sort of established an entire empire, even though, you know, he was um, he was not from here. And um, yeah, I mean, we obviously learned about this then, like Shishti said, he sort of sent, brought about a, a centralized government that integrated smaller kingdoms. He, um, his descendants delegated governments with um, that more or less respected human rights to an extent, except that the crueler descendants who, you know, pillaged and um, killed uh, Hindus. I think that was Aurangzeb in particular, but um, yeah, so they have a lot of positives, um, like I just listed, and um, they they also well they gave us one of the most famous uh, attractions in the world, um, and yeah, uh, I think that uh, all of this sort of goes into consideration. But then you sort of start looking at them as individual rulers, and then you think to yourself, were they really that great? Because Jahangir uh, was indirectly responsible for mm, 200 plus years of uh, British colonization, and um, well, and and Aurangzeb locked up his own father, his own aging, dying father, uh, for what I think two decades, uh, I, if I'm not wrong, and um, and Aurangzeb, but Aurangzeb at the same time had um, the largest empire any anyone had ever seen in India. Uh, I think he conquered even more than Ashoka in a span of 49 years, um, which is impressive, of course, if you don't consider in other factors, um, like his strict rule and his, um, you know, uh, malevolent nature. But uh, yeah, I think um, all in all, well, the course of history, uh, well, it, it had to happen for a reason, right? And um, we are known for uh, the British uh, struggle and how we fought back and gained our independence. So maybe everything happened for a reason. Okay, um, just one thing that I wanted to um, bring up before I answer the question. So Mais went to something really interesting where he called the Mughal Empire foreigners, right? And I, I think that's something that's propagated a lot um, in 
you know, in different forms of media. But I think that kind of labeling is pretty flawed um, because before the Mughals actually, the, so the Mughals did play a pretty large role in uniting India in that sense, right? So before they even um, entered India, it wasn't India. It wasn't what it is today. It was, it was just a group of dynasties and um, kingdoms that, you know, warred against each other, warred against outside factions. So there was no such concept of a country and therefore no such concept of a foreigner. So that's just one thing that I wanted to um, give my opinion on. Um, but also to answer the question, like he mentioned, uh, also there's a lot of good and bad sides. So obviously there was the pillaging, the raping and the mistreatment of women, but that's there with like every dynasty. So honestly, um, the other thing is um, they were often, like I mentioned before, they were often over glorified, right? So sure, he had the Navratnas and, um, but did that actually make a difference? Did he hear his people out? You hear stories of Akbar and Birbal since you're like a kid, right? About how benevolent Akbar was, how wise Birbal was. And um, you believe them to be like the ultimate power couple and, uh, you know, kind of bringing joy to everyone. But the fact is that they, they didn't. Akbar did a lot of um, the architecture and a lot of the culture propagation for himself and for his court. A lot of this wasn't available to the masses. And um, in that sense, how were they propagating the culture if they were just kind of constricting it to the court itself? Um, so in that sense, I think there's both sides to uh, the good and the bad that need to be considered. And yeah. Uh, I think, yeah, so while the Mughal Empire was known for its development and caring of the masses, I, you have to see that the, that development also came with a lot of uh, war and destruction because the entire structure of the Mughal Empire was based on war. If you didn't have a war, then the, well, the, well, what the equivalent of an economy back then wasn't pretty strong. It, uh, and it's, it just caused a lot of destruction and carnage. And for example, you, the Taj Mahal, it was built by Shah Jahan, but what many people don't take into, take into consideration is that Shah Jahan emptied all, the treasury just to build that. And it's built on slave labor, but people see it as this monument of a love in it, but no one takes into consideration how it affected uh, the empire and how it affect, would affect the empire for generations to come. Yeah, um, so obviously we're sort of talking about the, the humanitarian cost, right? Um, from the perspective, you know, the Mughal rule is not really uh, caring about their people. And I think that, um, I think here you have to consider the argument that um, obviously, uh, uh, first you think about the reason why they didn't care much about their constituents and why uh, there was so much reported. There were so many mass killings and mass rape and so on. Um, that's probably most historians have pointed that, um, pointed that uh, towards the, uh, sorry, my brain's freezing, um, have essentially pinpointed that to the fact that um, the Mughal rulers never really, um, the Mughal rulers essentially, the land over which they ruled over was not technically theirs. They didn't feel an actual emotional connect or a cultural connect to the people, right? That's why you had forced conversions of people to Islam is because they wanted people to identify with their own culture. And I think fundamentally, my point is that um, if, if a ruler isn't assimilated um, with the culture of the region, of course, is going to be um, 
outraged with respect to the way in which they rule the region. Think, uh, think of an example. Um, uh, let, let's say if you have a ruler who, um, okay, fine. Let's say Hitler's takeover of um, France during the Second World War. Of course, people are unhappy about it because one, he's Hitler. You're going to be unhappy about Hitler ruling your country, and probably also because um, of the fact that uh, there's no cultural, there's no uh, coherence between the beliefs of the ruler and the beliefs of um, um, beliefs the ruler and the belief of um, the people, and that's what creates this divide. Now, coming back to uh, Akbar and um, you know, his own, this thing. Uh, so basically, we all know even Akbar's ancestors were barbarous and vicious. They had the culture of war, the culture of uh, dominance, one might say. Uh, and even his descendants like Aurangzeb were also, uh, you know, barbarians, essentially, uh, because that's what they were, right? They were brought, brought up in illiterate climates foul atmospheres, uh, characterized by excessive drinking, womanizing, drunk addiction. Babur was a chronic drinker. Kumayan um, was an opium addict. All, this. All right, yeah, so the point I was essentially trying to make is that um, there is this sort of, um, I, I would call it um, a systemic uh, culture of um, abuse uh, through, um, you know, the Mughal Empire, and I think that was probably the worst part. I, I personally feel like the, the humanitarian effects that it had on um, innocent individuals as compared to, um, wow, look, there's a nice looking building architecture, 100. Um, I do feel like that sort of is outweighed by the humanitarian effects that, um, uh, that it had on the people at the time. Right. Um, I think just adding on to his and also previously clarifying what I meant, Shishti, by the, uh, the Mughals were foreigners. Um, yeah, like Manapat said, um, I think that everything he said was uh, pretty accurate. Uh, and what I meant by foreigners is that they brought in an entirely new um, sort of art and culture and architecture. We know that it was Persian. And they also ended up creating Urdu in a way because the Persian mixed with Arabic, it mixed with Hindi, and it created this new language that um, you know, um, ended up giving us Urdu. And also I forgot to mention this, but we, when we're criticizing the, Mughal, the Mughals, uh, we usually end up focusing on slightly less benevolent emperors like, um, like well, Aurangzeb, but um, there, were, there were religiously tolerant um, emperors as opposed to the ones who would convert um, to, you know, convert uh, villagers against their will. Uh, there was Akbar, there was Shah Jahan relatively, I think. Um, I, I might be wrong about Shah Jahan, but Akbar was religiously tolerant, um, if I remember that right. Yeah, and I think we had a very interesting discussion, you know, about how some rulers perhaps were more tolerant than the others. And one ruler I want to draw everyone's attention to is Akbar. You know, he's considered one of the best rulers of the era. And you know, this can be attributed to the nine Navratna or the gems, which included Birbal, who sort of led them. So do you think that this was the foundation for the modern day political system we have with a council of ministers in India and how the sort of his rule influenced uh, the political system in India today? I think a little bit. Um, obviously, uh, one thing that was missing with respect to that was um, proportional representation or um, 
uh, having direct representation or something along those lines, essentially a big part of Indian democracy, right, is having um, our selecting people and our representative, representative democracy, our representative is speaking on behalf of us in the Raj Sabha, Lok Sabha, etc., right, um, and as part of the cabinet and so on. So I think that that's something that's completely um, that's an that's completely missing uh, that we didn't get from the Mughal Empire, but I feel like the basic structure of uh, a government where you have a central power and um, essentially council and ministers to assist him to uh, provide an advice, that's a key part of democracy that he did sort of get from, um, I, I think the Mughal Empire might have been an uh, influence on. And obviously you can also talk about like Delhi being the capital and stuff. So what I would like to say is that although they were important, they may have influenced the way we have like a council of ministers today. Um, it's important to note that the Navratnas were actually for, if I'm not wrong, they were for cultural aspects. So you had like um, Bibal who was in charge of, I think, court wittiness jokes, kind of jesterish thing. And you had uh, people in charge of poetry, you had people in charge of art and architecture and dance and things like that. So it's rather than actually being a council of ministers, they were just uh, representations of, representatives of the different cultural aspects that the Mughal Empire was ex uh, expanding. Like in, in a way, it's kind of like what we have right now where you have like a, um, but you just have like a cultural minister, right? You don't have everything. So um, I am not sure. Um, yeah, I, I actually think I might have to correct you there, Shishti. Although there were some ministers who, like, uh, for example, one of them was Tansen, who was a minister of culture, uh, who was also a renowned singer. But there was also uh, someone like Raja Man Singh, who was a chief of staff of the Mughal army. So although there were some uh, ministers who sort of focused on the cultural, maybe social aspects, there were also some who focused more on the political side of things. Okay, then, it, yeah, thank you. But then it might have influenced, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, using sort of this Navratna's uh, sort of political system, how it's influenced the political system today, we see it. the Mughal uh, era also was very popular for its um, architecture. And one of the most famous uh, pieces of architecture was probably the Taj Mahal. Um, but also this is accompanied by tales of torture, right? Uh, where Shah Jahan is rumored to have cut off the hands of all the workers so that they could replicate uh, something uh, as such as the Taj Mahal. So do you think that there is a leaf to be taken from the Mughals here because the importance of creating these architectural wonders is lost? I think that um, that's absolutely valid because, um, you know, uh, you need to sort of know what went into making uh, the the building or the monument before you sort of over glorify it. Um, and um, yeah, I think the example you used was the one I had in mind as well. So if anyone else has uh, a different example, I could, okay, yeah. Um, so I would think that, um, yeah, the wonder of creating these uh, these this kind of ancient architecture is lost but architecture as a whole is an evolving art uh as time goes on there will be different it's for different needs it will change like for example skyscrapers were built because uh 
you needed lots of people to be working in a, a, a small area. So I I would say that the, these this this marvelous architecture is a characteristic of that period, but it's it's not that the importance is of creating those kind of wonders are lost. It's just that it's evolved for for different needs. Um, yeah, and you know, there's obviously a lot to be spoken about the architectural wonders. And another thing we can sort of associate with the Mughal Empire was how they united large parts of India, and how I think Shushti mentioned this earlier, where you know before they came and sort of conquered the northern India, it was it mainly consisted of sort of states which were controlled by their own dynasty. So. Wouldn't this be a great achievement on the part of the Mughal Empire as they sort of molded India as it is today? Okay, I mean, if you're if you're creating a sculpture out of blood, then I'm sure that works. Um, obviously, you're you're uniting India, but you're uniting it uh, under the banner of pain and under the banner of, um, frankly, uh, a ho of um, horrible horrible conditions, right? So I think it's important for um, one to consider. What would I think it's important to consider uh, what you would um, consider? Um, no, no, I think it's important for uh, one to consider. Um, is it worth uniting India when you have uh, uh, India being divided by the united? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, actually, I'm inclined to agree with Ayush here because. Uh, while it was a great achievement that they formed the basis for modern India, they did come with coming with a lot of destruction and carnage. And uh, his metaphor, I'm not sure I agree with that, but it's sort of apt. Uh, and the the Mughal Empire itself created a lot of religious division uh, between Hindus and Muslims. So it's it's a lot of uh, you have to consider the destruction part and the uh, persecution part of it when you're thinking this. It's not just that they formed the basis for modern India, it's just it's how they did it as well. Yeah, no, so um, if I think about the unification, yeah, definitely they did unify India, um, but then so did the British Empire, right? Uh, does that mean what everything they did was good? We, well, that's another podcast, <laughs> but uh, that's the thing. So Obviously, if that unification is basically done by kind of taking control over those places and um, killing their leaders, then yeah, sure, they unified India. Yeah, I think I agree with um, everyone because um, they did unify India the same way the British unified us um, because, well, um, most people found a common, common struggle and, um, well, well, we never technically fought back to the Mughals. Um, they just sort of declined after the last prominent emperor. And then obviously we know that the last emperor was, um, I think he was killed in battle because he fought against the British. He led a revolution somewhere that was 1857. He, he took part in that. Uh, but yeah, um, like, like everyone said, they did end up unifying India um, because, well, by, conquering most of it essentially uh, through through centuries, but at, at what expense, right? Um, 
and at what expense, at what humanitarian expense did they do so? So I think that would be the question of whether or not um, you could, um, well, uh, consider their unific consider this unification uh, a valid one or um, one that um, we would not have been better off with. Yeah, um, so I think that's a great point for Amaya's Shristi, uh, just to sort of end off with that question. And just finally, yeah, I want to know what everyone's take is on the Mughal Empire. Do you think it was sort of a good way to unify India? Or was it bad because of sort of the many sort of, sort of killings that uh, were taking place under their rule? Or was it a mix of both good and bad? I would um, confidently state that the Amoguls um, were a um, um, a mix of both um, good and bad. Bad when it comes to uniting India because they didn't really unite India, and good when it comes to the sort of cultural influence they had with architecture, with music, with um, I don't know fashion, I guess. But yeah, it's good and bad. Yeah, I think I would um, agree with Ayusha, but. Um, the thing is with me, I'm, I'm a sentimental person. And I think uh, even Krishna would agree when I say that, uh, well, you know, learning about them uh, at an early age in middle school sort of, um, well, sort of made me inclined to be biased to them. And also, you know, reading Amar Chitra Kathas about Akbar and Birbal and, you know, the intelligence of Birbal. I mean, technically that was not anything Mughal, because Birbal himself was a Rajput, I think, of, of Rajput uh, lineage, uh, of the Rajput lineage. But uh, nonetheless, uh, I have always had a weird sort of um, uh, um, respect for them, for what they did, because while how they did it is questionable, what they did is um, undeniably uh, um, great, because, you know, uh, we've discussed it throughout the podcast, but uh, they they did achieve a lot, um, and some of them achieved a lot in uh, in very less time. Um, but yeah, I think that uh, my personal take would be, um, well, it's it's honestly sort of balanced at this at this point because I have grown up. I don't have any sentiments with them related to the Mukhals anymore. But <laughs> yeah, I I would I would probably agree with Ayesha. Yeah, me too, I think. Sure, they came in with food, but as a vegetarian, I don't think it, I I feel that influence as much. And sure, it really shaped modern India and the culture of modern India uh, and formed the basis for a political system, but I would say it's a mix of good and bad. I said before and I'll say it again, their influence was undeniable in terms of architecture and culture and even in terms of politics. Um, but it brings up the question of does the means justify the end? And that is why I think I am undecided. Yeah, and I think just hearing everyone's point of view, I feel that uh, if I had to choose one, I would say they were good, but I do feel that you know there were some things that were good, some things that were bad. Um, the sort of good aspect of the Mughal Empire could be you know the food. Uh, I'm non-vegetarian, so I love their food. Um, but also how they unified India, I believe that you know, before they sort of conquered Hindustan and mainly Northern India, it was full of smaller kingdoms. And when they came, they sort of united it and sort of uh, shaped you know, modern India as it is. 
However, there's also the point, you know, of um, the mass killings and also of their uh, sort of ruthless nature, especially when you look at something like Taj Mahal where Shah Jahan cut off uh, or was ordered someone else to cut off um, the hands of the workers. So there were some uh, horrific details and, uh, you know, there were some horrific details and uh, incidents that took place uh, during the Mughal rule. So I think that's all we have time for today. I just want to say thank you, um, Ayush, Shishti, Var, Mice, for joining us today. And thank you, everyone, for listening. This has been the Pursuit of Resolution podcast. Until next time.